You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we return here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we returned here. It is a Thursday episode of the show, and here we're going to be talking about what some people from the Baltimore media had to say, and that is, of course, you know, we've been doing our weekly, at least for the OTAs, our weekly look at 10 observations from BaltimoreRavens.com because the people who are there, they get that inside look and that up-close look at what's going on. So Clifton Brown of BaltimoreRavens.com put out his latest 10 observations from OTAs article from the final OTAs, and we're going to take a look at those 10 observations talking about 1 through 5 and 6 through 10 and stuff relating to those. And then in the first segment, actually, I came across something really interesting in the Late for Work article from June 8th, so from two days ago, where Kevin Eck ended up finding an article from Jeff Rebeck of The Athletic, and Jeff Rebeck ended up going through and naming some names who could potentially still help the Ravens who are still on the free agent market. Now, the article and Kevin Eck from Late for Work actually took out Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram's name from that article because... It seems like those two are the ones who are most talked about, and so, yeah, I completely understand that. But I do want to get into the five that Kevin Eck from BaltimoreRavens.com highlighted in his Late for Work article and talk a bit about them, you know, why they would make sense, why they wouldn't make sense. So we'll talk about that in the first segment. So again, we'll talk about some potential Ravens acquisitions that Jess Rebeck highlighted in his article from The Athletic that Kevin Eck put in his Late for Work article on BaltimoreRavens.com. And then in the second and third segments, taking a look at what Clifton Brown had to say in his observations from OTAs in his article from BaltimoreRavens.com. So let's jump right in. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anyway, there's a podcast where they're waiting Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens and my personal account at KOSHREKER34 for any Ravens news analysis, updates, historical perspectives, free agency analysis, draft analysis, in-game live tweets, and much, much more. So with all that being said, we're going to dive right in here and let's start off with these players that Jess Rebeck of The Athletic identified. Now, again, he identified 10 players in his article. Kevin Eck from Late for Work put five in his article, and those are the five I want to look at, and those do not include Justin Houston and Melvin Ingram. Look, we've been talking about Justin Houston for a very long time on this show, so getting a bit more, not perspective, but getting a few more players who we could get perspectives on, I think, is really important because there are other players out there not named Justin Houston or even Melvin Ingram. So the first player that is talked about is Zach Ertz, the Philadelphia Eagles tight end. Now, Ertz actually is not a free agent. He is still under contract by the Philadelphia Eagles. He still plays there, but there is the possibility that he is released. And so, Why it makes sense for the Ravens, quote, the Ravens have plenty of internal candidates for the number three tight end job behind Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle, but none of them are proven commodities and pass catching threats like Ertz, end quote. Why it doesn't, quote, Philadelphia is reportedly looking for a day two draft pick in exchange for Ertz, and that is probably too rich for the Ravens. While Ertz is only 30, he's played a lot of football at a demanding position, and there are some questions, especially with how banged up he was last year about his shelf life as an impact player. Complicating matters is that Ertz is due $8.5 million in the final year of his contract, and that's significant for a team tight against the cap, unquote. And so 
Yeah, the possibility of Ertz, I understand it. But I think, again, as I've talked about before with Justin Houston, it seems like with every day that goes by, the Ravens really just want to look at what's on their roster, get a feel for what's on their roster, and see what happens, and then maybe go into the year with what they have. And then as the season progresses through week three, through week five, week six, then they can make some observations and then make some moves based off of that, whether it's injuries or whether it's poor play. So with the tight ends... You know, it's mentioned here, the Ravens have a lot of them right now for the third tight end position who are vying for that job. Josh Oliver, Eli Wolf, Jacob Breland, Eric Tomlinson, even Ben Mason, if you want to put him in that category, Tony Poyon as well. So at, look, I get it. Zach Ertz is better than any of those guys I just listed off, but with his $8.5 million salary and a, a team like the Ravens who does like to go into every year with some cap space left over for, as I mentioned, injuries and other stuff like that, Ertz... It doesn't make the most sense right now, especially with Nick Boyle coming back and Mark Andrews being as good as he is. And look, if Ertz was added, it would be great. You know, kind of like what I was saying with Julio Jones, it would make the offense better. There is no doubt about it. But I think taking into consideration everything else, the fit right now isn't as good for me, especially with the salary that he is due. And the second player here highlighted Delaney Walker. And for Walker, definitely somebody who I've been banging the table for, much like a Justin Houston. But Walker's someone who has been out of the league. He has been rehabbing an injury and just, I think, trying to find the right situation. So why it makes sense. Quote, Walker is looking to get back into the league and he'd probably come pretty cheap. If he's healthy and still has a little juice left, he'd fit in well as a number three tight end capable of blocking while also helping the Ravens some in the passing game. Why it doesn't. Quote, does Walker have anything left? That's a fair question. From 2007 to 2017, he was one of the NFL's most durable players, but he'll turn 37 during training camp, and he's played just eight games since 2018. The Ravens have young tight ends in Josh Oliver, Eli Wolf, and Jake Breland, all whom they believe have potential. Developing one of them and giving them an opportunity is probably more preferable than taking a flyer on a veteran who has been out of the league for a bit. Unquote. And so, yeah, I think Walker's a better fit, in my opinion, than Zach Ertz at this point. Not because Walker's a better player than Ertz, I don't think that, but because he would come a lot cheaper than Zach Ertz, as was mentioned. And I also think he has that experience with Greg Roman, and that is valuable, one. And two, you know, the Ravens aren't necessarily going to be looking for insane, insane production out of a number three tight end. You know, Ertz comes in, and if he does get injured, then you're paying $8.5 million to somebody who is sitting on your bench and you're not able to make the moves you want to make because you have that money tied up already. With Walker, yeah, sure, there is still injury risk, but I think it comes at a lot better of a price potentially. So I do like the Delaney-Walker move if that was one they were going to look at. But again, I think they just have too many guys at the position right now. Number three, Olivier Vernon, the outside linebacker. Why it makes sense, quote, he ruptured his Achilles in January and since he may not be ready for the start of the season, his price tag figures to be significantly lower than Houston or Ingram's, unquote. Why it doesn't, quote, it's tough to know what, if anything, you'll get from a 30-year-old player who is just five months removed from an Achilles injury. That's just the latest injury for Vernon too. He's missed 17 games over the past four seasons, so health questions are legitimate, unquote. And so, yeah, I mean, Definitely, I'd rather have Justin Houston or Melvin Ingram in this situation. I think both of them are better players than Olivier Vernon, but as mentioned, he would come a lot cheaper. But does that even make sense to have a guy like that on your roster? 
if he might not be ready for the start of the season, well, maybe, maybe he's a guy to be put on the physically enabled to perform list and see what happens with Jalen Ferguson and all those other guys. But he does have 63 and a half career sacks, which are pretty impressive numbers. So I wouldn't be opposed to Olivier Vernon. I just don't think it's very likely right now. Number four here is Malik Hooker. Why it makes sense. Quote, if he's healthy and injuries haven't robbed him of his playmaking ability, Hooker would provide quality veteran depth at a position where they are lacking it. The Ravens also don't have that rangy center fielder type of safety who can make plays on the ball, and that was Hooker's game when he was healthy. End quote. Why it doesn't. Quote, Hooker has reportedly visited the Miami Dolphins, Dallas Cowboys, and Pittsburgh Steelers and hasn't signed. It's unclear what the holdup is, but when a talented veteran is unsigned at this stage of the offseason, despite being available for three months, it's usually a sign that he's either looking for more money or isn't 100% healthy yet. End quote. So yeah, I've talked about Malik Hooker on the show before. I still am definitely open to that possibility. Him and Trey Boston were the two rangy free safety types that I was talking about, although I think Hooker has more playmaking ability than Trey Boston. For Hooker, though... Do the Ravens have the spot for him? I mean, obviously the Ravens have a bunch of safety depth right now, but is it quality safety depth where it's experienced? No, it's not that quality experience safety depth. It's that quality potential safety depth. So if the Ravens are looking for that more impact, you know, immediate impact playmaker, Hooker would definitely give them that. But there are the questions of why hasn't he been signed yet? What's the holdup? Why has he visited three teams? So that's definitely something to take into consideration. But I do think Hooker would be a solid addition and no slight to Deshaun Elliott either. But the three of them, Hooker, Elliott, and Chuck Clark would make such a tandem where they can be used on the field at the same time together. And finally, running back Duke Johnson, why it makes sense. Quote, offensive coordinator Greg Roman recently brought up establishing a pass-catching threat out of the backfield, and that's very much part of Johnson's skill set. If the Ravens don't believe Justice Hill is a great fit as a third down back, Johnson certainly would be a decent option. He also wouldn't be a bad depth add to a backfield that's pretty young. End quote. Why it doesn't? Quote, the Ravens are set with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards as their one-two punch, and they seem interested in giving Hill more opportunities than he's gotten over his first two seasons. They probably don't have the roster flexibility to carry four running backs. End quote. And so I agree. I don't think the Ravens have the roster flexibility to carry four running backs at all. You know, we're talking about, do they keep three quarterbacks? Do they keep 10 offensive linemen, right? I don't think running back is the position that they need to keep four at, especially with the talent there. Johnson, there is no doubt. As a pass-catching back, he is great. But I think the Ravens trust both Dobbins and Hill. And I think Hill's going to get extended opportunities this year. He'll get more of those. And with those three, I'm pretty confident. So I don't think Johnson is necessary. I understand why he's on the list because he is a pass-catching back and the Ravens didn't really have that production probably as much as they would have liked to have in 2020. But I just don't see them adding another running back, especially with what they have already on their roster. So five really interesting people here, five really interesting players. But for me, I think that the Ravens are probably going to take a look at what they already have on their roster, maybe make one or maybe two really, really small signings and go from there. And then as the season progresses, try to find players that can fill needs and work for their roster then. We're going to head into our first break now, but when we return, we're going to be taking a look at the first five observations that Clifton Brown of BaltimoreRavens.com had from the final OTAs. So stay tuned for that and we'll be right back. You don't just watch sports, you follow every play and player. Get the Daily Fantasy Sportsbook that rewards passion with winning. That's Stat Hero. Introducing Stat Hero, it's the first ever Daily Fantasy Sportsbook that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. 
you name the stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat here was showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You are in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match that's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need into a traditional chain storefront. Wind off from pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com and we return here with our second segment of this thursday edition of locked on ravens kevin ostraker your host still hanging out with you here and we're now going to get into the 10 practice observations from the final open practice of otas by clifton brown of baltimoreravens.com so let's just dive right into it here we're going to get into one through five in this second segment and then six through ten in the final segment so here, number one, Mark Andrews was dominant in red zone drills, getting open and catching passes regardless of the defender. He walked off the practice field a little early, but later said he was fine after temporarily cramping up. Already a skilled route runner, Andrews seems intent on taking his game to another level during a contract year, and he appears to be in midseason form in June. And yeah, this is a great first observation here from Clifton. I'm glad this was the first one that Clifton put in his article because I think Mark Andrews was the story of the open practice according to everything that I saw and heard on social media and everything. The Ravens have such a good tight end in Mark Andrews because he can do so many different things on the football field. Obviously one of the best pass catching threats at his position, but also has improved his blocking to the point where it gets really hard to game plan for him. And I don't know if people remember, but back during his rookie year, sometimes even during his second year, people knew when the Ravens were running the football or when they were passing it based off of whether Mark Andrews was on the field or not. Or they would run to Nick Boyle's side of the field because they didn't trust Andrews as a blocker on the side that the running back was actually going to. But now Andrews has ascended into actually a decent blocker. You know, he's not the best blocker in the world. Obviously, Nick Boyle is still a better blocker than him. But he's to the point now where he is a do-it-all tight end, and he's someone who's going to maybe break the bank for tight ends in terms of a contract extension coming up. And to see him dominate already, to hear him dominate already in these OTAs in mid-June, you know, with more practice, with getting up to speed, with continuing to familiarize himself with the playbook and the new calls and everything... It's going to be a good year for Mark Andrews, and he's going to earn himself a lot of money, I feel like, barring any injuries, because injuries do happen in the NFL, and I hope nothing happens to Mark Andrews. And he's been relatively healthy over the course of his career. He's had a couple of nagging things here and there, but overall, he's been pretty healthy. So he is ready to take his game to another level, as Clifton Brown said, and I'm excited to see what he can do in 2021. Number two, James Prochet made perhaps the best catch of Tuesday's session during route running drills, a one-handed snag of a pass that was thrown behind him. The competition among the wide receivers has brought out some good stuff. Prochet, Devin DuVernay, and Ricky Tylen Wallace are three receivers that have put together some good OTA practices. And this is good news for James Prochet because he seems to be in the thick of a battle with fellow receiver Miles Boykin. And my prediction was that 
you know, the Ravens, barring anything crazy happening with James Prochet and him having an amazing OTA training camp preseason, I think that they're probably going to try to stash him on injured reserve or something of that nature. But here we are with James Prochet having a crazy OTA, apparently putting together some nice practices, according to Clifton Brown. And that's the type of thing that he can do to earn that roster spot because I I can't see the Ravens keeping seven wide receivers. I just can't with the depth that they have all across their team this year. So I do think it's going to come down to Boykin and James Prochet and it's going to be who impresses, you know, who impresses the coaching staff, who puts in the work to get to the point that they need to get to, who has a better preseason. And Miles Boykin has always been that like OTA training camp preseason warrior, but maybe this year it's James Prochet and that puts him over the top. I really like James Prochet as a player. I think he can be a really good player in this league, but he's going to have to earn it. And I think he's doing a good job so far based off of everything that's been put out there. Number three, the humidity didn't do anything to sap the energy of offensive line coach Joe DeLisandres. His coaching has played a part in helping Ronnie Stanley and former Ravens tackle Orlando Brown Jr. develop into all pros. This year, DeLisandres is locked in on trying to get the most out of Baltimore's many young O-linemen like third-round rookie Ben Cleveland, who is competing for the starting job at left guard. And yeah, the coaches, they have to have that energy. I mean, I'm glad that it seems like most of the coaches for the Ravens have that energy, have that passion. And Delisandres has done a really good job with the offensive line, as Clifton mentions, Ronnie Stanley, Orlando Brown. It's been really nice to see the development of many, many offensive line prospects into great offensive linemen in the NFL under his tutelage, under his leadership. And I think that's a really underrated part about this because we've seen what Bradley Bozeman has become. We've seen what guys like Patrick McCarry have turned into at times too. And so now the Ravens have Ben Cleveland to work with, and I think that's great because he's someone who, with the right coaching, with the right development, can be an absolute stud at the NFL level. And so under DeLisandres, I think that Ben Cleveland is going to absolutely have the right tools in front of him to go out there, compete for that starting job as a rookie, and win that starting job as a rookie. That's my prediction right now. But overall, I'm excited to see what this offensive line can do for sure. Number four, it's obvious from his physique that veteran cornerback Jimmy Smith has been working hard this offseason. Younger cornerbacks took most of the practice reps, but it's always good for the Ravens to see Smith looking fit and healthy. Despite Baltimore's cornerback depth, Smith's experience and versatility are still important to the secondary. And yeah, Jimmy Smith, such an undervalued, underrated player in this Baltimore secondary. I do think injuries have contributed to that, but when he is on the field still, even still, he is one of the best in the NFL. Now, you know, he might not be a top 10 corner anymore, but he still is one of the better cornerbacks in this league. And I think that having a guy like Jimmy Smith on the roster for guys like Marlon Humphrey still, and younger guys like Sean Wade, Brandon Stevens, Anthony Averett, all those guys benefit from having someone like Jimmy Smith on their roster. And there was a clip that the Baltimore Ravens put on their social media of Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey just talking and, and Marlon Humphrey learning from Jimmy Smith and Jimmy Smith teaching something to Marlon Humphrey. And Marlon Humphrey said, you don't play cornerback in the league for 10 years by mistake, still learning. And that, that's huge. The relationship these players have, we talked about it yesterday during our culture segment for the Ravens. It's big to have a player like Jimmy Smith, who obviously still cares about his NFL game, who still cares, you know, being a hard worker during the offseason. And all of that different stuff is so important to a young positional group and to young players who are trying to find their way. It's lead by example. And Jimmy Smith has certainly done that over the course of his career. 
And finally, number five, rookie linebacker Rodolfo Owe made a nice breakup in pass coverage, running stride for stride with running back Tyson Williams before batting down a pass. Owe oozes with athleticism, and the Ravens hope he'll develop into a force as a pass rusher and run defender. But if defensive coordinator Wink Martindale ever drops Owe into coverage, he has the speed to stay with many running backs. And, and I think that's funny that Clifton says if Wink Martindale ever drops Owe into coverage, because if I had to bet, I would say that he is going to drop into coverage because the Ravens' defensive scheme is so, so complex and has so many different ins and outs to it where guys are doing things that sometimes they're not normally expected to ask, right? My favorite play from the opening game of the 2020 season, and honestly, that goes for the entire season. One of my favorite plays is when Don Martindale drops Clays Campbell into coverage, and he almost gets an interception during the first quarter of his first game as a Raven, right? You're having this huge mammoth drop into coverage. So I do bet that Owe does get into pass coverage a bit during the 2021 season, but it's the stuff that we've been hearing about Owe, right? The athleticism, the upside, the potential. He has the ability to stuff the run. He has the ability to drop into coverage. He has the ability to be a disruptor, but now can he put it all together and develop into that force as a pass rusher that many hope that he can be? And look, I think that he can. It might take a couple of weeks. It might take a couple of seasons. But I think that when it's all said and done, when we look back 10, 15 years from now, I think we'll be able to say that Adafi Owe turned into a great overall edge defender in the NFL that includes run defense, pass coverage, and pass rushing as well. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we return, we're going to be taking a look at the final five observations that Clifton Brown of BaltimoreRavens.com had from the final open practice of OTA. so stay tuned for that, and we'll be back soon. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including coconut, coconut almond, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel? Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. And we return here with our final segment of this Thursday edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And we're now going to get into observations 6 through 10 of Clifton Brown from OTAs, the final open practice of 2021 OTAs. So let's start off here with number 6. Lamar Jackson had a crisp day throwing the ball and watching him whistle passes to Andrews was another reminder of the sixth sense chemistry that exists between them. However, Jackson had an accurate day throwing regardless of his intended target, and this was probably the offense's best day during the three OTA practices that have been open to the media. And this is great, because I know that there's been some controversy, I don't even know if I'd call it controversy, but there's been some interesting opinions as to whether Lamar Jackson has had good days of OTAs or bad days of OTAs between media members. And, you know, the the overall consensus is that, yeah, it's been okay. You know, Jackson has had some nice throws, some bad throws, you know, kind of in the middle. And, you know, there were some that leaned to the, uh, it was a terrible day. Others that leaned say it was a great day, but it's mostly been, yeah, he was all right. But this, this day, it seems like from what everything that's been told by the media and this report by Clifton Brown as well, it seems like he had a really good day throwing the football. And I think that, yeah, to Andrews, Andrews and Jackson, that that chemistry has been there for a while. It's the same thing with Jackson to Brown as well. And I think that it's always been that question, right? Oh, who's going to be the receiver to get the most targets? Is it Andrews? Is it Brown? And then it's been the other question, 
Who's going to be the receiver to step up outside of Andrews and Brown? And usually, sometimes the answer has been no one. But now the Ravens have the weapons to really combat that, to not just say to defenses, all right, pick your poison. It's going to be Brown or Andrews. Now it's going to be, all right, pick your poison. It's going to be Brown, Andrews, Watkins, Bateman, Dobbins, Edwards, whatever. So all of those things are going to be really, really important. But I'm glad that Jackson had a really nice day, an accurate day, throwing the football Number seven, defensive tackle Justin Ellis and rookie linebacker Dalen Hayes combined to create a nice turnover when Ellis tipped the pass and Hayes came up with the interception. Hayes has gotten a lot of OTA reps that will hopefully help him at next week's mandatory OTAs and during training camp. And yeah, this is good. I mean, I'm glad that these guys are getting reps and making plays. Ellis is someone who I think needs to have a big OTA training camp preseason to make the roster. I think he's well-liked in Baltimore. He's a really great person. But, you know, as uh, an on-field production standpoint, it, it's been spotty. He's made some nice plays. He's also been non-existent at times. So I think him having a good offseason is going to go a long way for him, especially his depth behind some of you know guys like Clayus Campbell and, and Derek Wolf and Brandon Williams. And Dalen Hayes, too, someone who I think is going to try to be someone to make an impact but might be kind of eased along by the coaches of the Ravens and trying to develop him into that guy. But it seems like he has a really high motor and someone who works extremely, extremely hard. So a nice little tidbit there from Clifton. Number eight, J.K. Dobbins made a leaping end zone catch near the end of practice that was a strong punctuation to his day. Getting Dobbins more involved in the passing game is another way Baltimore can create opportunities for Dobbins to use his elusiveness to make plays in space. And so, yeah, many many compare J.K. Dobbins, I think, to a Ray Rice on the field. I think that's really, I think it's a good comparison, all things considered. You know, the on-field production of both. It seems like right now, Rice was the better receiver. But I think Dobbins has all the ability to do that and to become a threat out of the backfield. Didn't have a ton of production during his rookie year out of the backfield. I believe only 120 yards receiving, no touchdowns. But... I think that, you know, with the comments of John Harbaugh saying he's made strides as a pass catcher and with the photo that the Ravens posted of him literally leaping over Malik Harrison to catch a pass, it's an insane picture if you haven't seen it, and also one-handed catches. The Ravens posted J.K. Dobbins making those one-handed practice grabs, so I think that he's in for a big year receiving-wise, and Dobbins is someone who you want to get him the ball in a lot of different situations. Clifton Brown mentions his elusiveness. I think that's huge. Because at the end of the day, Dobbins is a playmaker and you want the ball in your playmaker's hands. And the Ravens have plenty of those playmakers on their roster now, plenty of offensive weapons. So yeah, I'm excited to see what Dobbins can do as a pass catcher. Number nine, Marquise Brown and first round draft pick Rashad Bateman did not practice. And afterward, head coach John Harbaugh said both were dealing with some muscle tightness. Veterans who did not participate in the voluntary practice included defensive lineman Clayus Campbell, Derek Wolf, and Brandon Williams, cornerback Marcus Peters, and injured players Ronnie Stanley, Patrick Ricard, and Tavon Young. So yeah, I mean, it seemed like the Ravens had a pretty good attendance during these voluntary OTAs. Obviously, again, there are injuries throughout the NFL. It's going to happen. Every team's going to have them. Unfortunately, the Ravens are going to have them as well. So these don't necessarily qualify as, you know, huge, serious injuries, but being able to rest these guys and having that luxury right now is really important to make sure that those muscle tightness things don't turn into a bunch of different serious injuries that they could turn into. So I'm glad that, you know, they were getting their rest and they've done a lot of running, especially Rashad Bateman with rookie minicamp. So just being able to rest them up, get them healthy and be able to have them for when they need them. That's the most important thing. 
And finally, number 10, second-year linebacker Patrick Queen was around the football a lot, which is par for the course. Queen is another young player taking advantage of off-season reps with his teammates that he didn't get last year due to the pandemic. And yeah, Queen is someone who I think is going to have a big year in 2021. He had detailed for the media his differences between his 2020 and 2021 offseason, saying he didn't come in in shape because of the COVID offseason where a lot of stuff was virtual and they didn't have OTAs. And him as a rookie trying to find his way in the NFL without having stuff in person, I mean, look, that's hard for a lot of young players. So I totally get it. He said that he wasn't in shape, in real football shape, till around week five. He couldn't catch his breath when they were running early on. So now that he has this full offseason to prepare and be around his teammates, be around the coaches, that's going to be so big for him. And I think he's going to be a really big contributor on the Baltimore defense in 2021. That's all that I have for you today, but when we get back here tomorrow, we're going to be rounding out the week with more Baltimore Ravens talk, so stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.